Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi, and welcome to the show today. I'm so glad that you're here, and I have an exciting announcement to share with you before we launch into the podcast, and our Inner Circle membership doors are open. And I only open up the doors a couple times a year. This is our eight-week parenting program that we launch next week. And it's also a community of moms that are raising tweens and teens. And it's a amazing community of compassionate moms, a place where you can go and share your challenges and struggles and hear me too. As part of the membership, you get me live during the eight-week parenting program, which is awesome. And you're going to learn so much about yourself and your kids and what they need developmentally from you and how to deal with disrespectful behaviors and how to love your kids well. And not only that, but you get many courses that speak to the specific needs of your tweens and teens and growing up in this culture today and how to support them. You get everything at in Mott's University, all the resources and so many of those resources I normally charge if you're not a member. And we've made it where it's very affordable and you can pay as you go monthly after 12 payments, then you become a lifetime member. There's also a coaching package. So I don't want to share too much and take up your time here, but I'm telling you, I really encourage you if you're just like, oh my gosh, I would just love more support. I would love to learn more about what my tween and teen needs. I would love to understand myself and my triggers and to learn how to become a calmer, more peaceful, more connected mom. I encourage you to go to momsoftweensandteens.com dash or slash inner you know, dash, that little dash, <laughs> circle, dash. So momsoftweensandteens.com slash inner dash circle slash. Okay, so check it out. And you can also go to momsoftweensandteens.com and you will see a drop down menu. I would love to get to know you and to be able to support you personally. There's no program 
like it. So to jump into our interview today, I'm super excited for you to hear Crystal Payne. She is a New York Times bestselling author. She's a podcast host of the Crystal Payne Show, and she's well known as a money saving mom. And she has just written a very vulnerable book called Love Centered Parenting, The No Fail Guide to Launching Your Kids. And in this book, she's very vulnerable about the day she found out that her child was a bully, was being expelled from school, was depressed and suicidal. And she starts off the book talking about what it was like to be sitting in that emergency room with her husband and child and having the whole world crumbling around her. She is going to share with us what she has learned from being on this journey. And I know that you're going to take away so many good things from listening to her share. It's really powerful. So let's jump in. Welcome, Crystal, to the show today. And I am so thrilled to have you on here and get to talk about your latest book. I'm so excited to be here. It's such an honor. Yeah. Well, congratulations. You just released your latest book, Love-Centered Parenting, The No-Fail Guide to Launching Your Kids. And that just uh, that just was released this month, correct? It was in March. In March. Okay. I, oh, I can't believe like the time is going. It goes so fast. I know. I know. I have to, I have to really like count the weeks and figure out because we had started fostering this little boy the right the week before. And so just this morning, I was like, how many weeks has it been? Has he's been here? So anyway, yes. Well, and you know, that is why I'm thinking it was released because when we first scheduled, it was, I think at the end of March, but then he had to have surgery Yes, that's, so, yeah, that's yeah. absolutely. You uh, you were so you were so gracious to change because I was like, um, can't really figure out how to do podcasts and be at a surgery at the same time. So yes, <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's kind of a relief because we were moving back home. We were in Florida for two months, and so it was like it was just crazy chaos. And we'd been on the road, and we stopped and saw friends and. So much. So it's like, oh, okay, this is actually better for me too. So it all worked out. So um, yeah, so thrilled to have you on the show. And I want you just, before we launch into the book, can you just tell the moms a little bit about yourself, how many kids, what you were doing, what you do apart from the parenting, because this is kind of a new thing for you, writing a parenting book. So I'll just let you tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Yes. My husband and I have been married for almost 18 and a half years. Feels like such a long time, but then also it's like, it feels like it's gone by so quickly. Um, we live in the Nashville, Tennessee area. We have five children currently. I say currently because we're foster parents. So we have four biological children. They are 16, 13, almost 12, and um, then just turned one. And then we are currently fostering a little nine month old boy who, um, as you mentioned about his surgery, he has had a lot of um, different medical things. He um, has Down syndrome, had cleft lip, cleft palate, um, and he has a feeding tube. So there's so many different things that we have um, learned really quickly because he came to our home um, a little less than, it was 
one, like six days before um, my book launched. And um, also I am the founder of moneysavingmom.com. I have been talking about saving money, making money, time management for years. I'm kind of what they call a grandma blogger, which means that I've been on the internet um, for a long time um, in internet years. I started blogging actually in 2004, 2005, when it was a brand new phenomenon, people had not really even heard of blogs. You had to explain what blogs were before you could talk about what you blogged about. And um, it's just been this whole journey. And now it's our full-time thing that we do. My husband um, came home in 2014 and we get to work in the business together. And we have a podcast that we do called The Crystal Pain Show. And I've written a few books. Yeah, it's awesome that he's, I didn't know he was full-time working with you. Your podcast is really good. And the two of you talking about things and really sweet. I listened to the one where he was interviewing you about the book Mm. and then where you both thanked each other at the end for going through the journey together that Mm. you've been on. And it was, yeah, sweet that this is, this has been the last four years, right? That yes have had, you know, a lot of growth in your life. Mm-hmm. So share, you kick off the book on talking about something that happened four years ago with one of your kids that brought everything to a screeching halt mm-hmm. and really caught you off guard. And this is what, this is what led you to write the mm-hmm. book. Uh, can you share what happened on that day in the principal's office? Yes. So if you had asked me 10 years ago, if I was going to write a book that had parenting in the title, or you told me I was going to, I'd be like, no, you got the wrong person. Um, I never, ever, ever, this was not a topic that I ever talked about online. Like I said, I talked about making money and saving money and time management, but I also never knew that four years ago, we were kind of going to have just the rug pulled out from underneath us, hit rock bottom as parents. And it really all started um, when one day my husband was dropping our three kids off at this little Christian school they were going to. And the principal said, I need to meet with you and your wife and this child um, after school. And so we walked into the principal's office, just having that pit in the feeling, you know, in our, in our stomach, like something's really wrong but we really don't know what is, you know? And so he told us done something the day before that just shocked us and was just like, what do you even do with this information? And um, then we found out over the course of then the next few weeks, as we had conversations with different parents in the school administration, that there had been a lot of stuff that had gone on for the past few months and that our child was just really, really struggling. And this kind of then, was the thing that triggered them to then really spiral out. And um, they just went into severe anxiety and depression. And and then it landed them um, into, you know, saying suicidal things. And so I I opened up the book talking about walking into the emergency room and saying my child's suicidal. And really my heart behind kind of opening with that story is I didn't want any parent to feel like she's written a parenting book because she's got it all figured out. You know, I feel like sometimes like that's what you think, like, let's put them up on a pedestal because they've got really great kids. So they wrote a parenting book and I wanted people to take me down off of that pedestal right from the get-go and just know that I'm not writing this book because I've got it all figured out over here. I'm writing this book from this place of, I made a lot of mistakes 
as a parent and have had to really relearn how to parent all over again. And it's radically transformed our home. And I just want to share with other parents what I've learned. Yeah. And you still are in the throes of it because you still have two teenagers, right? Yes. Yes, we have. So yeah, two teenagers, preteen, and then we're starting all over again with babies. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, you have a gap like I do. Is it an 11 year gap? 11 years. Yes. Yeah, I have a nine year gap from my oldest to my youngest, and then a six year gap between my middle and my youngest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so sweet to have those babies though, especially yes. when they're teenagers and they still cuddle with you. Yes. <laughs> Love on you. And yes. yeah. 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 It is interesting to be like in that, like teens and almost toddler stage. We, and we fostered a little boy last year for eight months. So he's kind of like our son too. So he comes over a lot. And so we have these three little ones and then we have these three older ones. And it's just like, it's just this interesting place. You know, it's like, I'm doing diapers and teaching how to drive at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Crazy to have both teens and toddlers. Yes. Little babies. Um, so going back to the emergency room, what was that like for you? Like, what were you feeling in that moment? What thoughts were going through your head? You know, it is, there's so many emotions because on the one hand, I felt a lot of shame. Like I must've really done something wrong for us to be to this place. And like you, like, I felt like I could barely get the words out of my mouth. My child's suicidal. On the other hand, it was like this fierce mama bear, like we need to do something because this is not working and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to um, figure out how to help our child. And so, um, but then I feel like there was also this, like you want to protect your child, but then also you're kind of frustrated because they've, you know, done things that have really just kind of put your life in this total place of chaos. And then there was, you know, this frustration that, um, you know, you wished that you had known sooner and why didn't you see this warning signs? And it just, it's just this whole mixed bag of emotions. Mm -hmm. I so related to that because before we came on here, I was talking about how so much of my story and struggle was with my oldest kid and going through a lot with her that actually what I learned uh, through that process, and she was a tween at the time, um, led me to start Moms of Tweens and Teens. But mm-hmm. I really related with uh, when you talked about, oh my gosh, why didn't I see this? Like, what's wrong with me? I thought everything, we were going along okay. And that it was just like the regular friendship stuff. And then to find out, you know, that this was all going on and that they were struggling so much. And we can just really beat ourselves up that we didn't that we didn't see it. So I was very much relating to that. I also thought you said something that I wanted our listeners for you to share with our listeners. And that was when you went to the therapist's office and you were in there with your husband, and then she pulled you out, you know, pulled you somewhere alone. And can you tell us what she said to you? Yes. So we went to, we were able to get our child into therapy and we went to the initial session without our child just to kind of go over what had gone down and our goals for therapy. And 
I remember sitting on that couch just saying to her, if there's anything that I can do, anything, like I'm at my wits in with this child. We, I feel like we've tried everything and nothing's working. It's only making things worse. If there's anything that I can do, please let me know. Well, a few weeks later, after therapy with our child, um, she called me back in at the end of the session. She dismissed my child. She called me back in and she said, I think you're trying so hard to fix your child. What would it look like to just walk with them instead? And I started paying attention and it's like every time my kids were acting out or misbehaving or something had gone down at school or there was some problem, I felt such a responsibility to swoop in and fix it. You know, let's preach a sermon. Let's tell them what they've done wrong. Let's, let's get this fixed so that we can move on. And I was spending so much time correcting my kids and very little time just connecting with them. Yeah. Perfecting, trying to perfect rather than connect. So powerful. And it's so counterintuitive. And that fixing and then wanting to teach and wanting to control and all of that. And it just really gets in the way. And did have you looked back on that with um, your your child and really realized like they actually said to you some things that they, did they feel that pressure? Did they feel like they had to be perfect? Were they, you know, was that part of what they were struggling with? Did they feel like they had to be perfect? So this particular child was not in a place to really be able to voice anything like that. They didn't have the language. And that was one thing that we really had to work through. Everything was just coming out as anger, all of their feelings, any emotion just came out as anger. And we had to work for a year with therapy to teach them how to express and have emotional language for what they were feeling. But um, one of my other kids through this process said, you know, mom, you were putting so like, I felt like you were putting so much pressure on me. Like I felt like I couldn't be honest with you because you were, you would just get frustrated with me. If I was actually honest with what I was feeling, you wouldn't like it. And so I just didn't share what I was feeling. And, um, I think that that is something that a lot of times we don't realize we're putting this on our kids, you know, and it's, it's out of, you know, we think it's, we love them and we care about them and we want them to do well. I remember, um, this was not, this was after that had all gone down. It was probably two years ago. There was one of, one of my kids was struggling in school and we were getting some, you know, the emails of like, they had some late work and it was just kind of, there was this pattern of this happening. And so I sat this child down and I was like, what's going on? It feels like something's wrong. We need to talk about this. You know, I really want you to, you know, make good choices and be diligent. And I, like, I felt like I kind of like given this great pep talk and they, later on came back and said, well, told my husband, like you just shut me down and shamed me. Like, like they were experiencing and going through a lot and it was coming out like in this late work. But instead of me digging into what's underneath this, it was just like, let's fix this, you know? So here's what's expected of you. And instead of saying, wait, this is not normal. So is, 
you know, can, let's talk about this. Tell me how you're feeling, you know, tell me more and asking those curious questions to kind of help pull out what they're feeling instead of just shutting them down by telling them what you expect of them. Yeah. Being curious. I love that word. That's what I was thinking of as you were sharing. And when our kids in pain or they're struggling, it's such a temptation or a knee jerk reaction, even to want to fix it, to want to make it better to want to tell them what to do. And even working with moms and as a parent, my own, in my own life, realizing it's like, just tell me how to have the boundaries. You know, just, I remember my husband and I would actually flip a coin. We were, (laughs) when our oldest was a tween and teen, it's like, what should we do here? You know, and right or wrong, you know, and we would flip the coin versus, you know, that relational piece that you're talking about, because I didn't know how to do that. And you talk about going through this, this growth journey that you needed to be on and do that hard work. What was that like for you? You know, when the therapist said to me, I feel like you're trying so hard to fix your child. What would it look like to walk with them? And I started seeing that, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And, um, I was like, where is this coming from? Like, why do I feel like I have to fix it? And where has that come from? And I started unpacking that and digging into that. And I realized that I cared about my reputation. Like I I cared about my reputation. And also I wanted to be a good mom, like to God. It wasn't just that I wanted to be a good mom in other people's eyes. I wanted God to approve of me as a mom. And so I felt like, well, if I do the right things as a mom, if I make sure that my kids are making good choices, like that's what a good mom does. Like that's a, that's my job. And, um, so then it was like, well, why, like, why do I need this approval from God and from others? And realizing that there were so many lies that I had believed for years that because I lived under them for so long, they'd become the labels that I wore and that I led with. So it, in my parenting, in my relationships, in any situation, it was like, I would come into it with this lie that I believed of I'm a disappointment to those closest to me. I'm a failure. And, you know, in this situation, I'm a failure as a mom. And that was what I was living out of. And it was holding me back so much. And it was this heavy weight on me and constantly making me be so critical of myself, but then also so critical of my kids too, because, you know, I feel like a lot of times what we put on ourselves, then we put on our kids. Oh, absolutely. Too. Yeah. Like if I'm, if I'm looking at measuring my success as a parent based on my kids' decisions, we're going to put so much pressure on them, mm-hmm. which is what you talk a lot about in the book. So you had to let go of quite a few things. And you have a list in there that when I, I'm going to put some of those down in a quote, when I, when I let people know that this podcast is coming out, because I feel like it needs to be made into like some, a frame, you know, that you can hang up of the things that we can just like shed that skin and that burden that we just carry around that really takes our joy out of, out of parenting and really loving our kids. So what are some of those things that you have let go of? I mean, you named a few, what are a couple other things? I think the biggest thing for me is letting go of expectations that I have placed on myself or that I think other people are placing on me or that 
maybe they actually are placing on me, you know, but a lot of times I feel like it starts, we put expectations on ourselves. And one of the things I talk about in the book is, you know, asking my kids when they're feeling like they need to live up to a certain standard, you know, as far as like, I have one child who always wants to get all A's and that's so Mm -hmm. important to them, you know, and saying to them, who put that on you? Like, did I put that on you? Are you feeling that from me? And no, they, they've put that on themselves and how we do that so much as moms, like if, you know, wondering, am I feeding my kids the right foods? Am I having them in the right activities? Am I teaching them enough character? Do we, you know, should they be getting into better jobs or better extracurricular things? Or do they have enough friends? Do they have the right friends? I, you know, what about social media? What about phones? Like there's so many things as parents that we feel all this pressure that we have to get it all right. And so putting that expectation on ourselves to get it all right, when it's like, you know what, who put that on you? And when we hold this up to scripture, does it say that as a good parent, you are supposed to always get everything right in every situation? We wouldn't need Jesus if we always got everything right. And so to recognize, I am going to make mistakes. I am going to fail my kids some. And I want to just be seeking the Lord and, you know, in those places where I do make mistakes to ask forgiveness of my kids, ask forgiveness of the Lord and to let it go, to let that persona of perfection, to let that go and instead say, okay, God, one day at a time, I have your spirit in me. I want to look to your spirit. And when I get frustrated with my child, you know, to stop and not just say, I'm a failure. Okay. I'm just failing at everything. Be like, you know, I got frustrated with my child in that situation. I need to ask forgiveness and um, seek the Lord and ask him to help me in this. And where is this coming from? But I feel like so often we let a bad response become a bad day. And we let our one failure make us, you know, we failed in this little thing. So then we feel like we're just a failure overall. And really who put that on you and to pay attention to what does God say about you? And so for me, that was a big part of my journey of letting go of those lies that I had just lived under. I had to call them out as lies and literally say, that's a lie, but then to replace it with the truth. It's not enough to just believe something is wrong, Mm -hmm. but then what is the truth? And so, you know, if I'm saying, I am a failure in every aspect of my parenting. What is the truth? What does God say about me? When he looks at me, he sees me as redeemed, as chosen, as forgiven, as loved. He has given me these kids and he's entrusted them to me. He loves them even more than I do. And he can give me everything that I need to be equipped in every way to love them and walk with them. And I can look to him at every moment of the day when I'm struggling, when I'm overwhelmed, when I don't know what to do. And I can trust him and ask him to give me wisdom for that moment right then. He's always so faithful. Yeah, it really is a faith walk and a letting go and a surrendering, isn't it? And if we leave out the equation, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of... Uh, I was at church and we had a woman that came. I live in Chicago area and she came from Trinity, which is a Christian college. It's real close to us and very well known. And she was talking about addiction. And she was saying it's that she's only seen one person in her 30 years that's gotten sober Mm. without faith. 
Mm. that has not without being in a program where they are surrendering and where they have that higher power, you know, that faith that they can cling to and believe that there's something bigger out there that loves them and cares about them. And for us as Christians, you know, it's Jesus, but, you know, just even in, in the big scope of things that is so difficult to, to live when you don't have that faith, then it's all up to us. Then how do you do it if it's all up to us? I mean, that's just too big. I mean, we just can't, you know, can't do it. I, I don't know how I would do it. Um, so love-centered parenting. What, there's four things that you really talk about. So you let go. And then there's some things that you drastically changed in the ways that you were parenting your kids. Can you share with us what those four are? Yes. And so really the the foundation for this was that I realized I was carrying around, like we talked about this weight of responsibility. And it was interesting because when I was writing this book, I asked on Instagram for people to fill in the blank of my job as a parent is to blank. And the responses that people gave just, it was fascinating to me because I would say 98 to 99% of the responses from people, and I got hundreds of them were things that you ultimately have no control over. So things like my job as a parent is to raise kids who love Jesus and um, get great jobs and are successful in life, get married and go to heaven. And, you know, it's like, okay, like, uh, you know, we can have ambitions as parents, but if we feel like our job as a parent is to make sure our kids go to heaven, we can't save our kids to make sure that our kids get a great job. Well, maybe God's calling them to go, you know, like live on little and be a missionary somewhere. You know what I mean? It's like, if, but if we feel like our job as a parent is to make sure that that's what our kid does, then if they're not successful, we're failing. And so we're carrying around this weight, this heavy, heavy weight of what our job is as a parent that's completely misconstrued because we feel like it's our job to be our parents, uh, our kids protector and Holy spirit and savior. And that is really weighty. So instead I encourage parents to make four choices and Mm -hmm. these choices are to lean in and love, to listen well, to lead with humility and to let go. And these four choices are not dependent upon our kids' behaviors Mm -hmm. or choices. It's just us walking with our kids. And so it releases so much of that burden and stress and allows us to focus on what can we do? We can lean in and love. We can listen well. We can lead with humility and we can let go. Yeah, I just love that. Listening is so powerful, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Versus giving the advice and fixing to just sit with your kid in their pain, which can be really hard to do and just listen Mm -hmm. and be there with them and see, see, you know, them get to know them rather than who we think they should be, or we want them to be and all the stuff that we put that we can put on our kids. Mm -hmm. And I will say that having older kids we, you know, things happen. And if we can have that relationship, no matter what happens, Mm -hmm. 
that's the most important thing that through the ups and downs of life, because things are going to happen. Our kids will disappoint us, make choices, but oh my gosh, so did I. <laughs> you know? And uh, just be with them in whatever that is. I feel like that is when you just bring it all down and you flush it out. Like that's the most mm-hmm. important thing. And really, isn't that what we all want? Like to be loved mm. totally, completely, unconditionally, like God loves us, mm. like not based on performance. Mm. Well, and that's when we were talking about the title for the book and the subtitle. And we were in this room and I remember having this conversation with all of these people, people from different walks of life and different parenting experiences. And, you know, we, we landed on the no fail guide to launching your kids, because I remember this one dad who went through some really, really intense struggles with one of his kids. And, um, he was talking about, you know, like a lot of people would look at him and been like, you've completely failed you know, cause your child, like where your child is at, but how he was saying, you can't fail when you just love your kids, when you walk with them, like you cannot fail. And, you know, you can't fail when you're just faithful to love your kids because it's not about their choices and behaviors. And so I feel like, you know, there's just so much freedom there when we just, like you were saying, our kids are going to make mistakes, just like we have, you know, why are we expecting them to be perfect? You know, we put, we put the expectation on us to be perfect. And then we put it on our kids and it's like, how dare you? I can't believe that you would do this, you know? And instead of really leaning in and loving them and listening to where they're at. And um, one thing that I've started doing with my, my older girls, especially now is they're getting older and making more choices for themselves and really trying to let them kind of grapple through things and make their own choices and decisions. Um, because I want to raise them to be adults, but if they're coming to me and saying, Hey mom, I want to do this thing. And my instant knee jerk reaction to a lot of the things that they say, Hey mom, I want to do this thing is you know, like really, you know, like you just can think of all the things that can go wrong, but instead of just launching into this sermon about like, you know, think about 10 years from now and how that's going to affect you to, to, to say to them. So tell me more, tell me why, you know, and to really get to like, what's the heart behind what they're wanting to do. And a lot of times if it's something that, okay, so, you know, it has everyone's, well, it has to be a hard and fast. No, but a lot of times it's like, we can kind of come up with a way to compromise or make that work or, you know, figure out something that is going to accomplish the same goal, but maybe in a little bit of a safer or better or healthier way or something. But if we just shut it down, you know, they're going to feel like I'm not heard my, what I think doesn't have value. And they're probably going to just go out and be like, okay, then forget it. I'm just going to go do whatever I want to do because we're not giving them that space to, you know, really sit with them and be like, tell me more, where's this coming from? And, oh, I have so many sermons I want to preach, but you know, it's like, (laughs) just wait, just stop, slow down. And, and I learn so much. And a lot of times when we, you know, just ask questions and ask those curious questions, they'll talk themselves out of it. And they'll be like, you know what? Actually, mom, no, I don't think I want to do that. Never mind. You know, or they'll come up with some other idea in the process. I'm like, I didn't even need to preach my sermon. I know I could save that one for another time because 
they've figured it out themselves. And so as they get older, just really giving them those opportunities to learn to express what they're feeling, to think through things, to seek the Lord on their own, and to really process through things instead of just setting up all these rules for them that teaches them to be a rule follower instead of teaching them to, you know, have a relationship with the Lord and to have to make decisions for themselves and to learn to be an adult. Part of being an adult is making decisions. And so if your parents just decide everything for you, you're never giving your child an opportunity to learn to practice being an adult. Yeah. Gosh, there's so much good stuff that you said there. And I'm, I, you were saying being a rule follower or rebelling. Mm-hmm. We're like always telling them. And that was a big part of some of the mistakes I made is I was overprotecting so much. I was so scared. And I, so I'd be quick to say no, then I would be feel, you know, feel like, oh, I don't know. Then I'd be wishy-washy mm-hmm. and the overprotecting piece. It's not relational. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's, it's not trusting that they really do have answers inside of themselves. Mm-hmm. Like what you're talking about when you were t- talking to your daughters and like, you're like, wow, they just, I mean, it's crazy how that works. Like they figured it out. <laughs> I didn't even have to lecture or say mm-hmm. anything. And here they came full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just so counterintuitive, but um just so much more powerful for our kids. And I think we assume a lot. Don't you think that we assume a lot, but when you ask the questions and you get curious, a lot of times what you're assuming isn't even true. Have you found that? All the time. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And it's like, and I think sometimes they don't even like, they don't realize where it's coming from. And so, you know, like they don't realize why they are wanting to do this thing or why they're frustrated over this thing. And so when we ask the questions, it allows them to kind of get to the root of where is this too. And um, I share a story in the book of how I was cleaning the kitchen one day and I saw um, there was this note that one of my kids had written to somebody else and they had used this crass word in it. And I instantly went to, oh my goodness, is my child living a double life? You know, like they're saying these terrible things with their friends and at home they act like they would never say something like that, you know, and I'm just playing it out to all these things. And I wanted to instantly then just have this conversation with my child and be like, what is going on here? I cannot believe that you would use this language. Are you using this language other places? And, but instead it was that, okay, lean in and love. Like, how do I lean in and love in this situation? How do I listen? Well, okay. I'm going to ask a question preaching a sermon. And so I, I said, I called my child down and I said, Hey, I saw this note here. This is really nice, but I was curious about this word here. They're like, they gave me this really funny look. And I was like, well, this word. And they're like, well, what does it mean? And I realized they didn't even have a clue what the word meant. They just had heard some adults use it. And so they used it. You know, yes, we had a conversation about, you don't just use words. You don't know what they mean, <laughs> even if you've heard an adult use it. But it was the thing, like, I was ready to just launch into this, like, whole big thing about how we don't talk like this and all that. They didn't even know what it meant. And so I had completely misconstrued and misjudged the whole situation. And I would have just really hurt them and shamed them. But leading with a question allowed them, allowed us to have this great conversation instead of them being hurt and me being mad at them. And then, you know, just turning into this whole thing where I was building walls between them. 
and so much more effective in just building that, that relationship where they can come and talk to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful story. So in closing, I, I want to talk about one of the things that you say, um, two things, actually. One of the things I was struck by, and I think it's just important, is you talk about having to do feelings mm. and, and learning how to do that. Can you touch on that a little bit? Because I think that that is something that I see is missing when we're going into that trying to fix it mode. We totally skip over that. Mm-hmm. So you started to get in touch with the whole feeling thing. Yes. And we realized as when our child went into therapy, we realized that um, it, at first we were honestly frustrated because the therapist for three months was just focusing on teaching our child how to express feelings. And I was like, we're really paying all this money for you to go in and every week ask your child, when did you feel sad this week? When did you feel, you know, like, and it just felt like it was just going nowhere. I'm like, can you just fix it? You know, again, like I just wanted to get fixed, but over the course of a year of this therapist doing this every single week with our child and, and really, you know, explaining emotions, teaching emotions, and then having our child try to have to express this week, I felt embarrassed when this happened this week, I felt sad. And, and they did it with colors and it was a game. And so it wasn't just this, like, I'm making it sound like it's just like super, you know, it wasn't that it was a fun conversation, how the therapist did it. But one, we realized that everything was coming out as anger for this child because they didn't have any emotional language to express anything else. So any feeling just came out as anger. So they were just reactionary to everything in a very angry outburst, lashing out all the time because they had so many big feelings, but they didn't know how to express them. So there was that, but then we realized we didn't know how to express our feelings well either. Like this wasn't something we'd ever model for them. So of course they wouldn't know how to do it because I, I didn't know how to say, Hey, I'm just feeling really sad today about this. And so we started realizing this is something that we've got to work on as parents. And so practicing it and allowing ourselves, you know, if, if I'm feeling triggered or frustrated or it just anything to just stop and really think what, am I feeling right now? We have a feelings chart on our fridge and we, we joke about it a lot, but it's like just making that, that that is something that is a normal, healthy part of conversations. And so then when I'm asking, you know, my husband or the kids, what are you feeling? You know, that they know what that means and that we can unpack that. And, you know, sometimes at first, especially giving them options and saying, well, did you feel like this or did you feel this? And so I talk about that some in the book, but that is something that's made such a big difference for us. And I feel like as parents, when we can model that for our kids and give them the tools and teach them that feelings are not right or wrong. I think that was a big thing for me of, I always felt like, well, there's the negative feelings and then we have the positive feelings. So we want to have positive feelings. So let's move over to the positive feelings. And instead to realize feelings are neutral. It's how you act on them. So feelings are just indicators of something. So paying attention to them, but it's then how you act on them that makes it either positive or negative. And, and so understanding what we're feeling and then, okay, learning the tools to then what do we do with that feeling? That's made such a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you raise a really good point. We have to get in touch with our own feelings. And that was part of what I was doing 
with my oldest. She was really angry too. And anger was a bad emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, so shut that sucker down. You're, it's mm-hmm. disrespectful. It's, you know, all of those things go to your room. But then she was stuffing. And underneath that, there was a lot of hurt and sadness. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know at that time how to help support her. And then I, then I learned and it was so powerful. Like there can't really be vulnerability in a relationship. If you're not willing to say what's really, you know, know how you're feeling. I'm, I'm hurt or I'm sad or I'm, you know, scared or anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, how important that is. So I had to bring that up because I really like that you weave that throughout the book and I, you even have feelings chart in the book, right? Mm-hmm. At the, yeah, at the, at the end. So and my kids actually helped me put that together. We talked about all the different feelings and all the different emotions. And then they helped me like, okay, let's make sure that we hit the most important ones. So that was fun to kind of have their perspective on it. Oh yeah. That's great. Yeah. And that's always good for teenagers because sometimes they're like, oh, that's corny, but that they were behind that. Yeah. Is so cool. yeah. yeah. So, um, I just have to say, I just have to quote you, your success or failure as a parent, uh, as a parent is not based on how your kids turn out based on the choices that they make. I think I, I had a couple typos in there, but something like that. I just think we need to hear that mm. over and over again, that our success or failure is not dependent on how our kids turn out. So mm. counterintuitive. Um, so on that note, as we wrap up, you know, what would you say to the mom that is listening right now? What encouraging words would you want to give her? I just, my heart for this book and why I wrote this is because I want the mom who's out there, who's the mom of that kid or the mom who's feeling like no one else understands. Um, my child is the bully. My child is the one who's having mental health issues. My child is the one who's getting ostracized or made fun of, um, or picking fights. You know, you're not alone. I think that's, that's just my hope and my heart and why I started the book with just being real honest of walking into the emergency rooms that you're not alone. And that God is with you in this. And he's not asking you to carry that heavy weight of having to get it all right. That's why there's Jesus. And so in those moments when you feel so overwhelmed and you don't know what to do, to look to him and to cry out to him and ask him to give you just a little bit of light for the next step. Maybe it's just the next moment or the next 10 minutes or the next hour, but asking him to give you what you need for the next, the next right thing that he's called you to do. And then just crying out to him and asking him to help you to lean in and love, to listen well, to lead with humility, and ultimately to let go and leave it in his hands because he is a good God. And like we said earlier, he loves your kids even more than you do, and you can trust him with them. Yeah. Thank you, Crystal, so much for writing this book and for coming on here and sharing your wisdom and your journey. And it's such a powerful one. And I I highly recommend this book because so many messages we need to hear, like I said, and write them out and put them up somewhere. Mm. Because when we we take this and we're going to love our kids. Mm. Wow. Mm. And um it is foolproof, like you like you said. So mm-hmm. tell them where to find you. 
I always encourage people to come follow me on Instagram. I'm the money saving mom on Instagram. And I like to share lots of behind the scenes and also, um, fun ways to save money, um, share lots of uh, pictures and videos of babies right now because that's a big part of my life. And then also some about raising teens. Um, they they let me share little glimpses here and there and um, just things that God is teaching me. So that's the Money Saving Mom on Instagram or if you like great deals, moneysavingmom.com. Okay, wonderful. So I checked it all out and I love your Instagram too because you have a lot of nurturing messages on there to moms of how to just show up every day and seek to love well and not stress out but just to to rest and take take in that love so thank you so much and um yeah and just wishing you the very best with your babies and your teens (laughs) thank you thank you for the opportunity thank you for having me on Well, that's it for today. And thank you so much for joining me. And remember, check out the Inner Circle membership in the eight-week parenting program. It's early bird until 12 midnight tonight. And then the door, the price goes up and the doors close on Friday. Any questions at all, email me. I'd love to answer them at Cheryl at MomsOfTweensAndTeens.com. And you can also go to MomsOfTweensAndTeens.com slash inner dash circle slash and find out more. I would love to get to know you, to have the honor and privilege to support you and for you to experience the transformation in your life, in your relationships, and in your family. Have a great week and see you back here next time.